Taro Aso. I love when his name comes up because he really is the last of the old school politicians who, who really believes that every thought he has in his mind has to come out of his face. Every time he's on the news, like you just see his name in the news. It's actually been a long time. So every time you see his name in the news, I'm like, ah, it's, is it homophobic? Is it misogynistic? Is it racist? I don't know. The cornucopia of awful things you could say, he's going to say it. So he was praising a fellow politician. He was giving a speech and he's saying, hey, I have this coworker. She's really good. That's great. It's a good thing to do. He got her name wrong twice. That's not such a good thing to do, especially if you're trying to praise someone. He praised her diplomatic and English skills, but then decided to call her an old lady. <laughs> the Japanese word is obasan. Uh, obasan would be like older woman, kind of use it for grandma and stuff. She's 71. He's 83. So I think when you're a decade older than someone, calling them old, it doesn't really work the same way. Then he decided she could not be called very beautiful. Now, take into account, this comes from an 83-year-old Japanese man who, quite frankly, looks like the, who looks like the humanized version of the yokai, Kappa, the squished-up little turtle face. So let's get into the actual quotes. I look at her and think, this old lady is quite something. Now, you can see he meant that as a compliment. He meant that to be a good thing. Although she is not particularly beautiful, she speaks with confidence. And again, in his mind, he's complimenting her. He's saying positive things. And he thinks he's not going to get in any trouble for this because this is, this is you know good stuff that he's saying. Kamikawa, the woman who he was supposedly praising, she is a class act. So they were asked her about this. So he said this like, he said she's not beautiful, she's old. Uh, he did technically say some positive things as well, but he had to, everything had to be like peppered with some weird backhanded insults. She said, I will gratefully accept any feedback. Now that puts her in an amazing position. Because here you have a guy who's saying awful things to her. They're in the same party, so he's praising her. She can accept the praise and also be graceful with the other stuff that he said. And she comes out looking awesome. So, yeah, I do have confidence. I do speak English well. I am, you know, a very powerful politician. And when people come at me saying awful stuff, it just rolls off me. And then she's got the secondary thing where the opposition parties, because Aso has said these terrible things, they're attacking it on her behalf. So she doesn't have to attack him. She just has to sit back and like look at how graceful I am as a human being, how unbefuddled I am, and everything is going to work out. So that was a couple of days ago, February 2nd, so a few days before we recorded this. Aso admits some of his comments were inappropriate. Not all. So he's not even being specific as to which one he's like going to say sorry for. But of course, this is Taro Aso. He does not say sorry. I take the points raised by various people seriously and will, re and will retract my remarks. I would love to go through all the old Ninja News Japans. This is like episode 294, so I'm not going to be doing that anytime soon. See how many stories I've done with Taro Aso and how many of those stories have had retractions. 
Because I'm pretty sure every time his name's come up, he said something stupid, and then a couple weeks later, he's had to retract the statement. I've also gone on the same rant many times about how retractions don't mean anything. So please be clear, he did not apologize for what he said. He retracted his statement. Basically, this is like, I'm sitting across from you, and I go, you're a dumb piece of shit. And then you get really upset, and then 10 seconds later, I go, well, I retract my statement. You can see how that's the core issue. Like, I actually have gone on longer versions of that. But the core issue is once you said something, retracting it doesn't actually mean anything. I guess in the political world, this means problem solved. Despite this being the millionth time that he has had to retract his comments. So the question now at 83 years old is how many gaffes does this man have left in him? Because he's running, he's, he's now like run the circuit. He said homophobic stuff. He said misogynistic stuff. He said racist stuff. Can he actually say something somehow even worse and impress me? Because I think he has it in him. I have faith that Taro Aso can still be the Aso we all need him to be. So let's get a little further into bad political decisions. Uh, Tokushima, you're in an area. This is your town. This is your, your prefecture. You want to promote local arts and industry. This area is very famous for indigo dyeing. So you need something to display the clothes on. So a mannequin. You know, somehow the mannequin is not enough. You need something more, maybe something more realistic, more seductive. And so you spend 400,000 yen of public money on an incredibly realistic looking sex doll. Uh, The promotion was set up in the corner of an airport using public and private money. At first, they had two mannequins. Uh, These cost 13,500 yen each. uh, And that was done from April. Then suddenly it was swapped out for the more alluring love doll in July. A staffer said the promotion was aimed at men and found an article online that said using realistic dolls had become common. Now I'm wondering what kind of websites this person had been browsing to get to the algorithm to say to the point where here's an article where sex dolls are common is something that he would end up reading. But I I don't have access to the history or the algorithm. If I did, I'd have a much bigger presence online. The official in question here visited a manufacturer of sex dolls who went to the factory in Osaka to see the product firsthand. So not only did they just buy a sex doll to put their indigo dyed sort of kimonos on, they went to the sex doll factory to actually visit the factory to see them being produced firsthand. This all came to light in September with a local magazine... And then the project was audited. So basically, a local photographer was in the airport and was like, hey, I think that's a sex doll. Took some pictures of it, went back, probably checked, did a little like checking of their sources and like, yeah, this is a sex doll. And then published the article. And then other people in the government are like, so they do an audit and they check out, finding out they had spent nearly half a million yen on this sex doll that is sitting here in the indigo clothing. So it turns out if something, this is actually, so something I learned from this case is that if something is more than 100,000 yen, it is called a fixture uh, and it then is used in other projects. So this, the sex doll, was actually used in two other projects in 2017 and 2019 
but there was no mention as to what was happening in the interim. Um, so there was a sex doll just in the government building, just sitting in a corner, not being used. Now, I say that with a certain gravitas because maybe it was being used. I don't know. I mean, I don't want to cast too many aspersions, uh, but at the same time, late night, you're in the office, sex doll in the corner. <laughs> Currently, the doll has been removed from the display and is being warehoused with no plans to use it further. So they have, this area has spent 400,000 yen, nearly half a million yen, on a sex doll. That sex doll has now been put in a box, put in a warehouse, with no intention of ever using it again. So I'm a little torn. So if you're a resident and you find out the government has spent this money, what's the better option? We're going to box it up and put it away like the Ark in Indiana Jones, and no one's ever going to see it again. It's never going to get touched. Wasted money. Or, well, we paid for it. So in it, you know, it's quite a well-manufactured doll. I don't know too much about the in and outs, but, you know, I saw the picture. It's a well-constructed piece of merchandise. You've already paid for it. Should you use it? This would be an interesting thing to get some feedback on. So if the government essentially abuses money, public funds, buy something like this, is it better to warehouse it or is it better to utilize it to get your money's worth? Because I actually have a fairly basic philosophy of I don't like things just sitting around. If you paid for them, you should use them. So if you have something like this, I'd be like, use it. But then I, the only way to use it is like a mannequin and put it on display, which is going to draw the ire of anyone who actually recognizes it as a sex doll. But then you could turn around and go like, why do you recognize it as a sex doll, you pervert? <gasps> you found sort of a way around it. I'm a little torn. I actually think the solution, my solution, would be to sell the sex doll. So private auction, sell the sex doll, get, recoup some of your money. Seems to me like the best way to get rid of it without just throwing it away. Because that's what they're doing now, which means, means they've wasted the money and they're not going to be able to get any of that money back. So I personally, and I know this would not be popular, would be like, let's sell the sex doll. Ten people were arrested for leading people to restaurants that artificially inflate prices. So this is something I talked about last week, about scamming. Got a couple of emails about it, people asking about scams in Japan. This is one of the more common ones for tourists, and it's not just like tourists coming from outside the country, it's tourists within the country. So I go to another city. Uh, you have these guys who are like, hey, are you looking for a place to eat? Come with me, I'll take you to a restaurant. That's called touting. It is shady because, again, we've had a lot of people get in trouble for touting in the past, but that's usually for sexual services. People saying, come to the restaurant where I work is not such a big deal. The problem is you have to tell the truth, and these guys are being fraudulent. This was fraudulent obstruction of business. Yay. They were telling people that a popular izakaya is full. So you want to go to this popular place? Ah, it's full. Come to our place. We're an affiliate. And then... They take them to a place with a similar but different name. So it does seem like it could be affiliated. And this might be where sort of the overflow from the popular uh, izakaya takes place. Once they're there, after you've eaten, you get hit with seating fees, weekend charges, 
and other just sort of made up inflated prices. It's illegal to not tell you about these things before you charge them to people. So a seating fee, you actually have to tell them there's a seating fee before they join. Uh, if there are weekend charges, you have to inform them of the weekend charges before they're seated. It's just like I said, if you go to a place and there's a menu and the menu does not have prices, you should walk out of that place. You should be very careful of any place that is not being upfront with the pricing because that's probably some sort of scam. It's probably some sort of fraud. The police are looking for links to crime syndicates. So basically, this is a Yakuza organization or mafia or something. They set up a restaurant. They set up this system and they inflate prices. And then they have no problem crossing the lines and trying to intimidate people into paying the inflated prices that they have created artificially, artificially created. I can't end a story on that down point. I have to, you know, the ending has to be strong. That they have inflated artificially. There you go. Crime and fraud. Oh, it's a crime-laden episode. A school principal. He needs some uh, caffeination before he starts his day. So he goes to the convenience store to get a cup of coffee, a cup of joe, a cup of that black oil that fuels your day. Buys a regular, picks up the cup. What you do is you take the cup and you put it in the machine. The machine fills it up. Regular costs 110 yen. But this time he accidentally presses the wrong button for a large. It's 180 yen. The cup does not overflow. The store clerk does not seem to notice. So he goes back the next day and he does it again and again and again, at least seven more times. Then one day, he's riding high. I mean, I'm getting my free 70 yen's worth of coffee every day. I'm scamming the system. I'm paying the man back for all the bad things he's done to me in my life. Well, then the clerk follows him out and starts talking to him and calls the police. And he gets arrested for theft. The small amount that was stolen probably means no jail time, no fines or anything, but this is a public reputation issue. This is a school principal. So at 59 years old, so the technical age of retirement in Japan is 60. A lot of places keep you on till 65. They're talking about making it 70, other stuff, whatever. He's one year away from retirement and he gets fired. So if his money situation is in order, that's not such a terrible thing. But if he had a pension connected to his job, he may have lost a huge chunk of his pension because he didn't actually make it to retirement age. So let's just be clear. The 70 yen times seven theft was not worth perhaps the rest of your pension. A 74-year-old man. Got some, some, a lot of older people committing crimes. This is part of the graying society. Uh, he was contracted to deliver flyers. So, you know, he gets flyers. He's supposed to go around to different houses, just drop them in the mailbox. It's a pretty easy job, good part-time job for an older man. Keeps him out and about. It's very nice. Probably decided that was too much work. I actually delivered the penny saver when I was nine years old. It was the first job I ever quit. And I quit it because it sucked because they gave you tons of sheets. And you had to go to every single house and just put them in the... So it wasn't like you were on a... A route. You just went to every single house in an area and you put the penny saver, which had coupons and advertisements in it, in every single mailbox. And you did this basically every week. Lots of kids took the penny savers and just threw them in the forest. There was a forest near my house. I had run across piles of penny savers multiple times. Uh, I didn't do that. I just very, I don't know, 
remember how long I did it for. I don't think I made it a full year before I was like, the amount of money I'm being paid to do this labor is not worth it. Like I would rather get nothing and not do this work than do this work and get the minuscule amount of money that I, I get. I think you were paid by the paper. I forget now. But it was like cents and then maybe a dollar an hour or something. It was child exploitation basically. It's supposed to be illegal in Canada, but apparently not. If you call it a part-time job and learning experience, you can get away with exploiting children. This guy had a similar mentality. This was not worth it, but he still wanted that money. So what he did is instead of delivering the paper between February 2021 and October 2023, he was going and dumping them in the sea. So over 900 kilograms of flyers were recovered from the bottom of the sea, which means there was probably more than that that have actually been you know, dissolved and washed away in that time. Uh, he has not confessed to anything, but of course they're directly linked to him because they know who got what and when they were supposed to go. Someone caught him. There were multiple reports of this guy seems to be going to this place in the morning and dumping a ton of stuff in the ocean. The Coast Guard caught him, turned him over to the police. I'll be interested to see if there's any charges placed in this uh, issue. See, there you go. I hit the down at the end of the story again. I'm interested to see if there's any charges laid in the nature of this arrest. Hmm? That sentence didn't make sense. I'm interested to see what charges are laid in this matter. In this matter. 294 episodes. I still kind of suck. Mr. Penn. Uh, I was not interested in this story. It's fine. Uh, basically, the most recently crowned Miss Japan was born of Ukrainian parents. She was born in Japan, but both her parents are Ukrainian, so she does not look Japanese, but she was born in Japan. And so this brings up the question of what is a Japanese person? Should someone who does not look traditionally Japanese be representing Japan as a country? Uh, I don't care. I don't care about beauty pageants. I think the question of who is Japanese and stuff is interesting, something Japan as a country is going to have to deal with. Uh, you got a lot of mixed kids now. you got a lot of people growing up. you got a lot of people who are naturalized citizens. Japan doesn't really want to accept people who don't look Japanese as Japanese. It's a story that's been here a million times before because the brown hair question in schools, uh, because you have mixed kids and they don't have black hair, but the rules you have to have black hair. Uh, people being treated differently because of their background. There's a whole bunch of stories like that that go on all the time. Uh, beauty pageants are not important is basically my personal issue. I'm not going to say it's not important to everyone or society or anything, but personally, I take very little interest in beauty pageants. Some interesting questions about diversity and culture, and some people were very happy that someone who didn't look Japanese was Miss Japan, and some people were very upset that someone who didn't look Japanese uh, was representing Japan. But with that sort of level of adulation comes a certain amount of scrutiny. And that's when they got my attention. Because it seems that Miss Japan has been dating a very famous doctor. And that's cool. I mean, loving someone is good. Uh, there's pictures of them holding hands, going around to places. It turns out the doctor is married with kids. And it's not cool for Miss Japan I'm not going to make too many judgments on people in their personal relationships, but if you are someone who is doing something like Miss Japan, it's not cool for Miss Japan to be doing something like this. The details are going to come out in a magazine that's going to be issued on February 8th. So they're actually 
of recording of this, the actual pictures are going to be published in two days. But because of the scrutiny, because the story has come out, she has already handed in her crown and given up on being Miss Japan. And so the first foreign-looking person to become Miss Japan's has lost her crown, had to turn in her crown because of a scandal, which is actually giving the people who say she isn't representative of Japan fuel for the fire that they're trying to create, which is actually sad. To me, that's the saddest part. Even though I don't care about beauty pageants, I would have rather had her succeed and then sort of open the door for more foreign-looking people uh, to be more accepted. Whereas now what's happened, because she's connected to this scandal, they're going to go, well, look, that's not really a Japanese person. Japanese people don't act that way, and uh, foreign people are bad, which is unfortunately something that does happen fairly regularly in Japan. The Nationwide Turtle Survey. Now, last week, I learned that there was the Capybara Bathing Competition, which is something I didn't know and something I absolutely need in my life. Well, it turns out there is also a Nationwide Turtle Survey, which I didn't know about. And I absolutely need to know how many turtles are in my area. I need to know how many turtles are in the, in the country. I, need to just, I just need to know about turtles. I didn't know about I cared about capybaras as much as I do, and I do. And I didn't know I cared about turtles as much as I do, but I, I care about turtles. That's the, what we've actually learned here. It's actually a bit scary. There's an invasive species of turtle called the Mississippi red-eared slider, and they are expanding their territory. They are more commonly known as the green turtle, which is far less descriptive and less interesting. The native Japanese pond turtle is in decline and sort of being pushed out of its territory. The sample size was of 2,147 turtles. Currently, almost half the turtles in Japan of these ones surveyed were these Mississippi red-eared sliders. One scientist said it's almost impossible to eradicate invasive species. So the goal here is how to reduce the population so it doesn't impact the ecosystem altogether and sort of drive Japanese pond turtles extinct. And I don't want any of the turtles to go extinct. I want the pond turtles to stay and be happy. I want the red sliders to you know, slide in and have sort of a happy life here in Japan. So we got to find some sort of balance between the two. Turns out, I want the turtles to be happy. And I want the capybara to be happy. Just like I want the inner turtle in me to be happy. Just like I want the inner capybara in you to be happy. And that's the most important thing. Is let's not be invasive species. Let's... <laughs> completely lost the thread. Let's not be invasive species. Let's care for each other and find balance in the ecosystem of our hearts. <laughs>